Dear Heavenly Father God, I praise your name for every single person that is here. I thank you so much for this high Sabbath where we got to hear so many inspiring messages. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. And I just ask right now that he is lifted up. I ask that the Holy Spirit comes down and just blesses what we talk about today. Give us understanding, God, and just a passion for the lost, Heavenly Father. And that only comes from you. So I just beg you again for the Holy Spirit and confident that you will bless this talk today in every single heart and mind. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the title of the first talk, and the series is called Youth and Mission, is Lift Up Your Eyes. Lift Up Your Eyes. So just as way of an introduction, self is our greatest enemy. I suggest to you guys, self is our greatest enemy. Look at me, right? Look at me. Watch me. Pay attention to me. Look at me wearing this amazing outfit. Look at me getting good grades in school, getting straight A's, right? Look at me in this amazing picture on Facebook. Do you guys see that today? Definitely. Look at me because I have so many friends and people actually want to hang out with me. Look at me. I just fixed this amazing meal and everyone is raving about it. Look at me. Look at me competing in athletic competition in record time. Look at me. What I want to do today. What is best for me? What will make me happy? Get out of my way, friend. You are in my way. We all struggle with this every single day, don't we? I know that I do. We all struggle with self. And self, I suggest to you guys, is epitomized by the devil. So I hope that you guys have your Bibles here with you today. And let's turn together to Isaiah 14. So Isaiah 14. And we're going to be reading verses 12 to 15. You guys are right on time because we're just starting. So Isaiah 14, and we're going to be reading verses 12 to 15. And it says this. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet ye shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Self feels good for a time, doesn't it? It feels good to be looking good or to be doing something where people are actually paying attention to you. But what is the end result? You end up in a pit. Just like the devil, you end up in a pit. So, as a young adult in college, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I was addicted to self, totally, completely, and absolutely. And it's definitely something that I struggle with today as well. Sure, I had my devotions for a few minutes every day. Sure, I strive to know God a little bit, but self was the name of the game. I was going to get good grades because that would make me happy, right? That would determine my worth. Then I was going to go to law school and become a lawyer and perhaps help a few people along the way, but I wanted a nice car, a nice job, and the things that this world has to offer me when I have a good amount of money. 
I wanted to have the coolest friends, and I wanted to do fun and exciting things in the weekend. I wanted to have a super cute, funny, athletic boyfriend who would make me happy, right? And who would like complete me. That's what I thought. I wanted to have a sporty car, something that could go pretty fast, you know, and that people could say, oh, that's a nice car. I wanted to have nice clothes and things. Then I would feel important and cool. Can any of you guys relate to what I just said? Anything? Does anything strike a chord? I was feeling pretty good. I was having fun, but I was addicted to self. And the pit was just around the corner for me. And actually, it happened in October of my senior year of college. This was definitely a turning point in my life and a huge wake-up call given to me graciously by God. So first of all, in October, my cool, funny boyfriend at the time, who was real smooth and had lots of friends, he told me one day, mm, I think I only want to be with you 80%. It's like, 80%? Ah! You know, he was part of my identity. Next, on my 21st birthday, the actual day of my 21st birthday, two weeks before, my parents had given me a new Volkswagen Jetta. I loved that car so much. I had wanted it for the past like two years. And for the last two weeks that I had had it, the first thing I would do in the morning was actually run outside and sit in it and smell it because it <laughs> smelled so good, that new car scent. However, on the day of my actual 21st birthday, I was a stick shift novice, and I had put the emergency brake on, but I didn't know that you had to put it in gear. And you guys can drive past where I live this afternoon. It's right across from the Little Debbie plant. And basically, my car decided to go down the hill by itself and crash into a tree. Praise the Lord that it went into a tree and not into a car or a person. I was really thankful about that. Next. I told you before I wanted to go to law school. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And I took the law, the LSAT, which is the law school entrance exam on October 12th. So the anniversary was this past week. And as I went into the LSAT, I was used to doing okay in school, like study, you know, do fine. However, when I went into the LSAT and had all of these people praying for me, all of a sudden my mind went blank. I'd never had test anxiety before. I couldn't I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I was just sitting there, just like numb, not doing anything. And so what I did was in the break, because I sat there for about an hour, and in the break, I went to the bathroom, looked at myself long and hard in the mirror, and just started crying, and went and just canceled my test score. So basically, academic achievement, bankrupt, right? Slipped through my fingers. Relationship, slipped through my fingers. Materialism, slipping through my fingers. And I was in a deep, grimy, disgusting dart pit. You can ask my friends, the rest of that school year, I was kind of like in a little bit of a haze. I wasn't joyful, I wasn't happy. I remember going home a lot and just crying because I didn't know how God was leaving, leading in my life. And even if there was a God, and if he actually cared about me, it was definitely a deep time in my life. But I suggest to you guys that Jesus Christ lived a life completely opposite from that which I lived during college. Completely opposite. Self-ish, Mindy Ron, selfless, Jesus Christ. Let's look at this. So go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I love these verses. 
And we're going to be reading verses 3 to 11. So Philippians 2, 3 to 11. And it says this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of what? No reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we saw in Isaiah 14 that the devil wanted up, 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 right? And he crashed into a pit. We see in my life, I wanted up, 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 people looking up to me, and I crashed. But Jesus did the exact opposite, didn't he? He became a human, and he died for us and became of no reputation, and then God exalts him. So selfless. What an opposite course of action. And that's love, guys. That's love. So let's read now Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. So Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. All right. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and what? Finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what did Jesus Christ endure there? He endured the cross for the joy of seeing us in perfect communion with him in heaven, correct? So the utter example of selflessness. This is God in mission for us. I really want you guys to think about it this afternoon. I don't just want these to be words for you. But the God of the universe suffered for us, right? The God of the universe, he hungered for us. He prayed all night for us. He wept for us. He spent every waking hour serving on this earth for us, correct? Everything was for us. And today, he transforms us from glory to glory as we behold him. So in thinking about that, let's look at one story. Let's look at one story in John 4. So John 4, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's a wonderful example of cross-cultural relations. But we're not going to get into that specifically today. But amazing story. So go to John 4, and we're going to read verses 1 to 10. So John 4, verses 1 to 10. You guys there? All right, awesome. So here, here's what it says. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, 
Though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed for where? Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Okay, let's pause there for just a second. Do you know what's super just really interesting about this story is that 16 or 17 centuries before, in the exact same place, there was a cross-cultural interaction between another man and a woman. Any of you guys know who? Oh man, that's such a great guess. It was actually Shechem and Dinah. So Shechem and Dinah. Remember Shechem took Dinah and bad things happened and then Jacob's family went and killed all the men, right? Bad example of cross-cultural relations. However, 16, 17 centuries later, exact same spot, Jesus is coming and just fixing that rift and giving us an example of positive cross-cultural relations. Isn't that powerful? Oh, the Bible is so amazing when you dig in. So we have this Jesus saying to this woman, give me a drink, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked and he would have given you what everyone living water so Jesus would have given her living water the, the conversation continues right and it gets a bit uncomfortable Jesus calls out that she's had many husbands and the guy that she's currently living with is not her husband so could this be an uncomfortable conversation yes but a conversation with eternal results so let's jump down now to John 4, and we're going to read verses 25 to 34. And it says this in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, why do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Verse 28. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do what, everyone? To do the will of God and to finish his work. So who got Jesus' mission in this story? The woman at Samaria, correct? But the disciples didn't get it. So because of Jesus' love, because of Jesus' service, because of Jesus' mission, this uncouth woman's life was changed. 
it was radically changed. And if you read further on in the chapter, she brings a ton of other people to Jesus Christ, and he lingers there for two days. Powerful example. Powerful. But my question to you guys is, do we get it? Do we get it? Do we get the unfathomable love of Jesus? Does his love transform our hearts and then we actually naturally want to become a youth in mission for him rather than a youth in the service of self? So just like Jesus, I suggest to you guys today that the harvest is all around us. So let's go back to John 4 and read verse 35. So John 4, verse 35, and it says this, Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. We just read the verse about lifting up your eyes. So I just want to challenge you guys. We need to lift up our eyes as Seventh-day Adventist Church, and specifically as Seventh-day Adventist youth. We have the good news of Jesus Christ, right? We have the three angels' message that are exciting yet sobering and centered in Jesus Christ, and we need definitely to lift up our eyes. This is our purpose, and this is our calling. So let me continue with the story that I left off. So after that fateful October, which was not a good month, and my entire senior year at Southern, God didn't leave me in that slimy, dark, depressing pit. And if you guys are in a pit right now, he will pick you out of it if you just ask him to. So at the end of my senior year, I had absolutely no idea what God was calling me to do with my life. Law school had fallen through, just had no earthly idea. But God is so gracious. First of all, he worked it out in a miraculous way to send me to the wilds of Costa Rica that summer in Central America. And basically, I was supposed to go to Costa Rica to tutor people in English. However, when I got there, I found out that there was already plenty of tutors and there wasn't really anything for me to do. So what did I do? I spent a lot of time in my room, in my little shack in Costa Rica. It was such a blessing. For the first time in my life, I was away from my friends. I was away from my family. I was away from television. I was away from the internet. And it was just me and God. So what did I do the whole time in my room? I had my Bible. I didn't really bring any other books. And so what I did for several hours a day was read the Bible. And the Bible for the first time in my life became the Word of God speaking to me. God became a real and personal God. And I would remember it. I would just read and read and read and pick raisins out of the raisin bran. And it was one of the most blessed experiences in my life until that point. So Costa Rica. If you guys ever get the chance to go to Costa Rica, definitely bring your Bible and try to disconnect from the world around you, and it'll be a massive blessing. The second step was God, after that summer in Costa Rica, propelled, launched me up to New York City to do an internship for the Seventh-day Adventist Church at the United Nations. I didn't want to go and move to New York City, but God was clearly calling me there, and it was such a blessing. It opened my eyes to what is actually going on in the rest of the world. First of all, some things that I found out. 
Did you guys know that one out of eight children don't have access, or people rather, in the whole world do not have access to clean water? This little girl, this is a picture from Haiti, and I don't know if you can see it too well right now, but she's getting water out of like a sewer dump area. And as a result of this, diarrheal disease caused by unsafe water and poor sanitation kill 4,000 children daily. 4,000 children daily. Excuse me? Yep, worldwide. 4,000 children daily. A huge another problem that is happening is hunger. You can't see the picture too well at this point, but this little baby's in a malnutrition ward in Malawi, Africa, and he's puffy, really puffy because he's malnourished and hasn't had enough to eat. Did you guys know that 18,000 children under five, under five die every single day because of hunger-related causes? 18,000, if you do the math, that equals 6.5 million per year just from hunger-related causes, which is really tricky because we go to Walmart and we have an abundance here, right? So it just baffles the imagination. Some other things that I learned that year is that Iran has the highest suicide rate in the world for girls. Did you guys know that? For women and girls, Iran. I went into to a meeting specifically on human rights in Iran. Did you guys know that in Iran, the legal age for marriage is nine years old? nine years old. And it's not really their choice a lot of times. Another thing, nearly one billion people around the world are illiterate. One billion. Meaning they can't read or write, and two-thirds of which are women. So I would go to meetings every single day and learn information like this. So do you guys think that my problem started looking a little bit trivial? and how my viewpoint was superficial. It was the best education that God could ever have given to me. So, God exposed me to these statistics and information, but he also exposed me to people's stories. So as I was living in New York City, I'll just be honest with you, pride started creeping up. When I first got to New York City, I was like, man, what am I going to do? I know two people. My parents have left. I don't know how to ride the subway. What am I going to do? I didn't even have a cell phone. They just, you know, I was just there. And so after a few weeks, I started learning the subway system, and I started going around and find, finding some restaurants. And to be honest, I started getting a little cocky. I'm like, look at me. I'm navigating New York City by myself. If only my friends could see me now. Wow, look at me. I mean, stupid, right? Really stupid. But one day I was in line waiting for something at the United Nations and I would always try to strike up a conversation with people because you never knew where they were from and what their story was. And so I turned to the person behind me and we started to talk. Come to find out he was from East Timor. He was from East Timor. Anyone know where East Timor is? Anybody? It's above Australia. It's above Australia, and it just gained its independence about 10 years ago from Indonesia. Anyways, so I met this man, and he started telling me his story. Basically, he had fled from the strife and civil war that had been racking his country there in East Timor, had fled to New York City, had decided to enroll in law school at 
NYU, which is one of the best schools in the United States and in New York City. As he was in law school, he was learning English at the same time. And he was moonlighting for the East Timorese delegation to the United Nations. And his goal was after he was done with law school was to go back and serve his people and serve his family and try to rebuild his country. That's noble, right? So just learning stories like that was just a total perspective shift. And we need to have conversations like that with people all day just to open our perspective. Another story that touched my life was in a meeting about human trafficking. And here's the story. A girl falls in love with a boy. They were from two different countries. And basically, the boy's like, oh man, I love you so much. Please, come to my country. I want to introduce you to my family and friends. So she was happily to go, go along with him, of course. However, when they got to his country, he actually dropped her off at a brothel. He had sold her into sexual slavery. She was heartbroken, and now she was enslaved. What happened next is she had to, she fought it, she fought it, she fought it. But then she had to go along with it to pay for her freedom. A couple months down the road, she tested for HIV and she was positive. So just stories like that, guys. And this is a, that's one example of approximately 27 to 32 million people that are enslaved in the world today. That's tragic, right? Well, we're sitting here in Happy Valley. So God was definitely opening up my eyes. And believe me, if he can open up my eyes, he can open up your eyes. Believe me. So to lift up your eyes and to actually be a youth in mission, I suggest to you guys, you don't have to go to the ends of the earth. If God calls you to go to the ends of the earth, by all means go but you do not have to. You can start where you're at, with your family, with your friends, with local strangers, etc. But I just encourage you guys to lift up your eyes. What I'm gonna do now is actually tell you some categories of stories about lifting up your eyes. All of these stories are thanks to Jesus Christ and his mighty power to intervene as we pray and serve others, right? So keep that in mind as I share with you such stories. So first of all, lift up your eyes and pray. You guys don't necessarily have to talk to the person that you want to minister to. Did you know that? Yes, God calls us to talk and share as the Holy Spirit leads, but you can also just simply pray, right? Pray. Let me share with you guys some stories. First of all, Several years ago, I got a call from someone that I knew that told me the worst story that I had heard about her marriage. Her husband had probably done one of the worst things possible to this individual that had called me. I freaked out. I wanted to call, get some help, call counseling. I don't know. I freaked out. But God clearly impressed me. Mindy, you need to get on your knees and pray for those individuals. You need to pray. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I worried and I fretted because this was bad. I wish I could share with you the details, but I can't. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And did you know, a year later, God came into both of those individuals' hearts and now they are on fire for him and their marriage is restored. Praying is powerful. Another story. Um, I've had several relatives that have become addicted to alcohol and drugs. 
specifically one of my older cousins who was my favorite cousin. So my cousin, he's been a drug addict and he's progressed to heroin, which is the worst of the worst, right? And so we heard one day that he was actually shot. It barely missed his heart and he's in the intensive care unit, basically on a ventilator. So my entire family converges on that hospital room and we pray and we pray and we pray and he makes it through. And there's been ups and downs in his life, but today, he seems to be off drugs and his life is getting back on track. Praise be to the Lord. He's also overdosed like two or three times and been on a ventilator, supposed to die. But God definitely answers prayer. Some other examples from my time at Malamulu Hospital in Africa. So one day, oh, you can't really see her, but it's a woman lying in a hospital bed. One day after work, I decided at Malamulu, which is in Malawi, I'm good, I'm done for the day, time to go home, time to rest, time to relax, time to read a book. So I trudged about the half mile up to my house. It was warm there, it was clean there, there were no patients there. It was just nice to be by myself. However, as I got up to the house, a strong impression says, Mindy, you need to go back down to the hospital. I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. Mindy, you really need to go back down to the hospital. No, I won't. Yes, no, yes, we went back and forth, back and forth. And finally I said, okay, I'll go back down to the hospital. So basically, when I got down to the hospital, I walked into the female ward. And the first room that I came into was this girl about my age and her mom. And the girl was laying on the bed and the mom was just like holding her tight behind her and just trying to breathe. The girl, trying to breathe, trying to breathe. It was just a tragic situation. So I went over there and I asked them, the only words I knew in Chichewa, do you want to pray? And the girl's like, yes, 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 I want to pray. And I'm like, let's pray. And so we prayed, I prayed in English, and I remember specifically in this prayer asking, God, may this girl accept you, Jesus Christ, as her savior right then. And I said, amen. And I ran out into the hall to see if I could find a doctor or nurse. There was nobody there, absolutely nobody. About 30 seconds later, I'm back in the room. She's dead. She's dead. That was her last breath of life. She's dead. Praise the Lord that God impressed me even after fighting to go down there and to pray with her, right? Guys, follow those impressions follow those impressions. You can never go wrong trying to pray with someone, right? Follow those impressions, so important. Another story. I was a teacher for two years at Atlantic Union College in Massachusetts, and God clearly impressed upon my heart that at the beginning of every single class, we need to have a time of thanksgiving and prayer requests so that we could get to know what's happening in each other's lives. I see two of my students here, and now you'll see why I actually do this every day, because of stories like these, you just never know. So one day, this student girl came to class, and she was bummed out. Basically, her father had decided to cut her off from all financial support. And it was in the middle of the semester, and she was bummed out. So she told the rest of her classmates, and the classmates were like, let's pray, you know? God can work a miracle. So we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed for a couple weeks. 
One day she marched into class with this big smile on her face and we're like, what happened? Basically, in the mail, out of the blue, she got a random check that covered her tuition for that semester, randomly. It was a check from several years before and she was able to finish the semester. Amen? Praise the Lord. We need to lift up our eyes and pray and not give up after just one little prayer, right? You gotta keep praying and asking God for his intervention. Another story from my time at AUC. Um, God has a really funny sense of humor because in high school, I actually got tr in trouble my senior year of academy. But by the time I was at AUC, God with his sense of irony had made me the chair of the school's discipline committee. That year we had a stabbing. That year we had someone try to burn down things. It was so character building. And I was younger than I am now and I don't have kids. And it was, it was, it was interesting. So basically one day this student came into my office and he was kind of like a gangster thud type. Great heart, but he was a gangster, literally. And he came into my office, he sat down and we started talking about why he was struggling in the class. And all of a sudden he just started bawling. And I'm like, what? I didn't know gangsters cried. <laughs> Whoa, like what is going on? So we talked and we talked and then all of a sudden the story spilled out that he was actually running guns and drugs, etc., for an armed gang. And I said, oh no, why? Why did you tell me that? I'm the chair of the school's discipline committee. You shouldn't tell me things like that. And so basically, I didn't know what to do, so I, I called out my parents. <laughs> and I asked them for their wisdom. I didn't say the student's name. And I was like, what do I do? Do I take it to the discipline committee? What do I do? And their advice, and if AUC anyone hears this, this is what happened, guys. So my parents' advice was, we need to have special fasting and prayer and pay, pray for this young man. Don't do anything, just pray. So we did. We had, we had several special days of prayer and he went disappearing from my class. I had no idea where he went and I was supremely worried about him. Well, after a special season of prayer, I was teaching world history one day and he just walks in, in the middle of class with this big smile. And I was like, hmm, what's going on? And at the end of class, he just comes up. And it was near the end. We had like 10 minutes left. And he comes up, and he smiles, and he starts bawling again. And I'm like, what is going on? He's like, that group that I was with, they actually took me hostage. And he was gone for that amount of time. And he said, all of a sudden, one day, they just let me go. Let me go. Let me leave the gang forever. I'm done. We were like, praise the Lord. And he was there the rest of the semester and everything seemed all right. Praise the Lord. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for our family. We need to pray for our friends. I just love that story. Next, I wonder where he is today. He's still on my daily prayer list, believe me. So another story. My family goes down to Haiti every year to an orphanage. And they do some medical work there. And that's a picture of a little girl, Esmalon, in the hospital. Did you guys know that there are thousands of child slaves in Haiti? Did you guys know that? They're called Restaviks. Basically, when my parents went down there for one week several years ago, there was a girl that was brought to them that was a child slave. She had either on purpose or not on purpose, we're not sure, drank Clorox bleach. And what happened was it perforated or made a hole in her esophagus. 
I don't know, any medical people in here? Okay, so my dad is a physician and he tells me that even in the best intensive care unit in the United States, the mortality rate is 90% for someone with a perforated esophagus, okay? And so my parents took her to the hospital with my cousin and her husband and basically when they got to the hospital, they put this girl on oxygen, but whenever my parents would leave the room, they would take it off because they didn't want to waste it on her because they knew she was going to die. Like she was in the throes of death. And so my parents and cousin and husband decided that they were going to stick with this girl all night. And they did. They had shifts and they prayed and they cried and they prayed and they cried and she made it through the night. And let me show you what she looks like today. God saved her life. She's here with us today. And last I heard, she was no longer a child slave. God hears our prayers. Amen? It's a powerful story. There's also a prayer group here at Southern. And I would just encourage you guys to join any prayer group that you can. There's a group that meet Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. at the flagpole. And I've been trying to go as much as possible. I went more last semester. I try to go as frequently as possible. And as a result of these sessions, we have divine appointments and amazing answers to prayer, which I'll share you just a couple of those in a minute. So another thing is lift up your eyes and serve. So lift up your eyes and serve. A couple years ago, God clearly worked it out for me to attend a place called the Arise Institute. Um, I didn't really want to go to Arise. The next session, I'm going to tell the story how I actually got there. But at the Arise Institute, you go around, you, you learn about the Bible, which is a huge blessing, and you learn how to do personal evangelism in the community, knocking on doors, studying with people, etc. However, one of the places that we went where we were to study with people, we knocked on the door and this wild looking woman opened the door, hair flowing in the breeze, and she barely cracked it open and then kind of slammed it. And we were able to give her something. She said, thanks. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was that. So we decided just to, you know, see what happens and go back the next week. We knocked on the door. And this time, ooh, pen. She opened it up wider and we saw her and she welcomed us into her house. When we went into her house, that was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Trash was everywhere, like up to here, just trash everywhere. Her little granddaughter was in there with her and the granddaughter was talking about the different dead people she was seeing. Her grandfather was in the room, this, that, and the other, and it was very cold, dark, and just dank in there. And we were like, get out of here as soon as possible. And so we just, okay, <laughs> and then we left as soon as we could. We went and talked to one of our teachers at Arise. We told him about the situation. We're like, what do we do? Do we go back, or can we just never see those people again? That was kind of, you know, the way that we were leaning, because it was weird. If you go to a house and they're seeing dead people, do you want to go back there? No, especially when it's a little kid. But our teacher, Matt Parra, said, you need to go back and you need to clean their house. We're like, what? Clean their house? Oh. But he was like, yeah, you need to go clean their house and I'll come help you. So we're like, fine, okay. So we recruited some of our fellow classmates and we went and we cleaned their house. We first went to the kitchen. We spent four hours in the kitchen and we weren't done. My Bible work partner spent four hours washing dishes. 
Yeah. I got the fun task of going in the bottom of the fridge that had goo about this thick and trying to sop it up. I almost threw up the entire time I was doing it. I was trying to fight it back. But, and we started like singing hymns though as we were doing it, just try to lighten the mood. And it was fun. It turned out to be a fun time. And that lady said, when you guys were singing, it was just like a light and a warmth came into our house, like the presence of God. We were like, praise the Lord. So we came back the next week and she had cleaned her entire house. Cleaned. We're like, wow, this is amazing. And we affirmed her. We're like, this looks wonderful in here. Then she wanted to start studying the Bible with us. Then she came to an evangelistic series and then she wanted to be baptized. Guys, lift up your eyes and serve. When you meet people's temporal, physical needs and show them that they care, you care, then they'll want to know Jesus Christ, right? Yes. It's powerful. Thank you, Matt, for that suggestion because Ricky and I would have run away. I was going to tell you a story about Gimby, but we'll keep going because of time. Another thing is lift up your eyes and actually study with other people. So lift up your eyes and study with other people. Another story from Arise. So ever since I got to Arise and we got our map that shows the different roads, you know, and the houses that we're, you know, going to go knock on doors or make friends with, etc. I just had this burden to go to Buttercup. I don't know if it was because the name. I don't know. But Buttercup, I just liked the sound of it. And I just, I just, I really wanted to go there. Actually, that's where Linda and Bonnie lived, um, the story I just spoke about. But we also met another person. So as we were going around Buttercup, we met this guy named Charvet. And he was outside cleaning a car. And he said, we asked him, do you want to study the Bible? Or, you know, we just started talking. And he's like, no, I don't. But I prayed yesterday that someone would want to come and study with my girlfriend. We're like, wow, that's amazing. And she came out, come to find out that she was from Iraq. And we were able to start studying with her. And guys, this was my first Bible study ever, ever. And this was the best first Bible study you could ever imagine. So we started studying with her, Daniel 2, and we went through all the different information. And basically, she ate up the information, ate it up. The easiest Bible study person you could ever imagine. It was such a blessing, such a sweet lady, and she'd make us Iraqi food. It was just a great setup. And as we began to study with her, then she wanted to come to the evangelistic series. Then she was baptized. Then she went to Arise the next year. Then she became the personal ministry directors of her church. And now she's studying at Andrews University. This was the first person I ever studied the Bible with. Praise the Lord. Study with others. And when I started studying the Bible with her, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know all the proof text for this, that, and the other. If she would ask me a question that was hard, I just said, I don't know. But then I would go and study and come back the next week. So if you don't know, it's okay. You learn as you go. And the Holy Spirit can use us in spite of ourselves. So study with others. Another thing, the last category that I want to talk about is lift up your eyes and ask for divine appointments. Lift up your eyes and ask for divine appointments. Just a couple of stories. A couple years ago, I went to GYC and I went to a seminar by Paul Ratsara, who's the head of the Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division. He's a, it was such a blessed seminar. It was on faith and prayer. And so as he was doing his seminar, he spoke of a man named Golden Lapani. 
Golden Lapani. Have you heard of him? Who is from Malawi, and I had actually been to Malawi, and who gets up at like 2 and 3 in the morning and prays for hours. And as a result of the Holy Spirit working through him, he has baptized thousands of Muslims in Malawi for God's glory. And so I was like, man, I didn't get to meet this individual as I was in Malawi. And I was like, man, I'd like to meet him sometime. So let's fast forward. Eight months later, I'm at ASI. And I'm just, I'm, I'm at a booth at ASI, and I see this man walk by. And he didn't look like he was from the U.S. And before I went to ASI, I was like, God, can I just have some divine appointments and meet some really cool people and be able to connect? And so as this person was walking by, I was like, where are you from? And he said, Africa. And then he said, well, I was like, well, where in Africa? He said, Malawi. And I said, ooh, are you Golden Lapani? And he said, why, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, such a blessing. And it ends up, he was able to come up to Southern and do a presentation at Southern. He was able to come to my home church. And now we're prayer partners. He emails me his request. I email him my request. And I was a bit bummed about February of last year. And he and his wife actually took two days to pray and fast for that issue. Who does that, right? Who does that? So divine appointments. Another story, and this is from that 7 a.m. prayer group at Southern, okay? Go to that and ask God to lead you to people that you can serve that day. So I, we had prayed that the morning. I was sitting in my office. All of a sudden, this student walks into my office and sits down. She begins to talk to me just about a random question from a class. And I was just like, okay. You know, we just started talking. And then she just looked a little bit sad. And I'm like, are you sad? And then all the, she said yes, and tears started to come down. I'm like, oh, no. What's going on? And then the next question was, are you depressed? I don't know where that came from because I don't usually randomly ask students that. And she said, yes, I am. And then come to find out she had tried to commit suicide. And she had a plan to commit suicide shortly thereafter. So I said, okay, let's go. Let's take a walk together. And she said, sure. And I took her up to the counseling center, and we were able to get her help. Praise the Lord. We need to be looking for those people and lifting up our eyes all the time, right? They're all around us, and we need the Holy Spirit to direct those people into our path. Um, other stories of divine appointments. When I was working up at AUC, the only TV station that I got was 3ABN. I had never watched 3ABN really before because my family just didn't have that side of light. And as I was watching 3ABN, I really started to like it. It's not just a station for old people, guys. You need to watch it. And I kept hearing these stories about how we need to be serving and witnessing and all this stuff. And I never really thought about that before. And, you know, it was really great. This was before I went to Arise. And so I remember praying after I first heard that, God, you know, I don't know how to, like, serve and witness to people here in Clinton, Massachusetts. Clinton has more bars per capita than anywhere else in the U.S. That's where I was living. But um, that'd be really great if I could just, like, you know, serve someone other than my students today. I love my students, but I just wanted to, you know, see something else happen. Well, I took my trash out right after that, and lo and behold, the neighbor was at the trash can, and immediately she asked me a spiritual question, and we got into this deep conversation. God is so good. He can bring us people at the trash can if we just ask. He's just waiting for willing people to do that. My downstairs neighbor is another story. Her name was Sister Patty, and she was actually a nun. 
So you had me and then a nun on the bottom. She was amazing. We would like fight for the shovel to get the snow off the driveway. She was so cool. She was from Chile and she was being a missionary to the United States. One day as I was coming back home after, or excuse me, going to work, something said, Mindy, you've been watching these amazing evangelistic series on 3ABN with David Asherick. You need to ask Sister Patty to watch it with you tonight. And I said, no way, she's Catholic, she's a nun. I don't know what the topic is tonight. What if it's the mark of the beast or something? <laughs> and this is the first you know, thing that we do together. And I said, oh, and I drove off to school. <laughs> no, not gonna do that. And so later on that day, several hours later, we actually got home at the same time. And again, that impression came, you need to ask her to watch the meeting with you tonight. And I said, mm -mm, no. And I started walking in and then something just stopped me on the steps and said, okay, I'll just ask her. I'll swallow my pride. And so I went and I knocked on her door and she opened it and I was like, would you like to watch uh, religious programming with me tonight? And she said, yes. And I said, great. And then I closed the door, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh, really? And so what happened was she came up at seven and we turned it on and it was the David Asherick sermon series. And lo and behold, the topic that night was on Jesus and salvation. Such a blessing. And after we turned it off, she just looked at me and grinned and said, Mindy, how did you know that I had prayed this very morning that God would teach me more about Jesus Christ and that I would learn more about him today? And I just said, praise the Lord, Sister Patty. <laughs> Amazing. So lift up your eyes and ask for divine appointments. He, God, will not let you down when you do that. So I just want to challenge you guys today. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Do you really believe it? I know people... People say that, and then people say, do you really believe it? But I firmly believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. As such, the world around us has issues, does it not? Poverty, human trafficking, water and sanitation, loneliness, depression, addictions, etc. The harvest is all around us, guys. It's around us right now. It's around us every day. So I just want to encourage you guys to lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, and God will certainly bless. And to be honest, it strengthens your own faith in the meantime to see God working. Such a blessing. So, would you guys with me like to lift up your eyes today and this next week and perhaps the rest of your life? Amen. So let's pray together as we end this first session. Dear Heavenly Father, I just praise your name for all of these precious individuals that are here right now. I thank you so much that Jesus Christ died for them. And I just ask that the Holy Spirit comes into each heart here and that they surrender to you and just lift up their eyes to the harvest that is all around. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.